The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy, and I am joined on this episode uh, with a character that, with a wrestler that I've I've admired for many a year when I was going down to shows. Uh, he's he's going by the name of Deacon Matthews now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, yeah, it's it's like I said when I was doing the the whole like putting out that you were going to be on the show. Um, I was like this this. You've, you had a very unique character, which we'll definitely get into a little bit early on. But the first question is always the same: uh, How did you get into pro wrestling? What was the what was the moment that got you hooked? Um, and in, into it as a fan. Uh, yeah, we'll start with the fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. As a fan, um, <laughs> this is where I really show my age. Saturday afternoons, World of Sport in the eighties. Watching that with um, with my dad to. Well, dad used to kind of half watch it, um, and probably the older of my two sisters, my, they're both younger than me, but one's quite a few years younger, um, watch, watching that in the 80s, the sort of big daddies, Rollerball Rocco, um, Giant Haystacks, those guys. So not not the the best quality, or the Rollerball Rocco side, he was amazing. Um, not necessarily the, the best quality of matches, but th- those characters, the sort of large in life, big daddy, things like that. That's what got me into it. So, so your classic, proper, your proper wrestling, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. But when you're speaking about big daddy and giant haystacks, it's kind of on the. It's it's definitely more verging on the end. It's the entertainment side of yes proper wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it's the big gimmicks. And I, I mean, there were there were other guys I used to like watching, but obviously they're they're the names that that really stick out. Um, I was a little kid, you know, I was sort of preteen, and that was obviously that was the big daddy character was, I mean, essentially uh, Britain's Hulk Hogan, although he'd seen a few more chippies than Hulk Hogan, I think. Maybe one or two. So yeah. did, did did you get to go to any local shows? Because I know, well, right about up my up my area of of Scotland, uh, they would come up to Aberdeen and what have you. But was was there anything you were able to get to see? Big Daddy Wrestle or Rollerball. Roller mm. So I'll just go for Giant Haystacks instead. Right. Uh, so you get to see yeah. any of these guys wrestle live. No, I didn't see a live wrestling match until I started training. I'd never seen any live. Um, when I grew up, I, I don't come from a sort of a wealthy background or anything. My, my parents kind of really struggled. My t- dad was a farm labourer, then a long dri- distance lorry driver. So I grew up on farms in the northeast of England until I was, well, I say grew up, until I was about six. Then we moved to a small border town called Duns. So there wasn't, it was just something I, I liked to watch on a Saturday afternoon. Um, I wasn't a massive wrestling fan as, as a small kid. I, I liked wrestling. Um but no, I never got to see anything live. And then until, ultimately, until my late teens, until almost leaving school age, I, I'd catch little snippets. I'd always want to see stuff. Someone had a, a video of, was it SummerSlam 92? Emily, I saw that. And, you know, any opportunity I got, 
I try and watch it, but I didn't have friends with Sky or anything like that to, to see much. Every so often someone get hold of a video from a friend of a friend and you'd see a few matches. So I remember seeing the Nasty Boys and stuff like that. Um, and then Channel 4 got a bit of WCW. And I was like, oh, this is like WWF, but it's more real. WCW is more real because the, the guys that had one were a bit serious. I mean, the first American wrestler I can remember watching and going, oh, I love this guy, was Brian Pillman, but it was Fly and Brian. I used to love Fly, Fly and Brian when I just saw him a little bit. Um, now, I can't remember if I first saw him on one of these videos or if he made a trip across the UK and it was World of Sport, but I remember just seeing him in the red trunks. Um, flying around then and that name just just stuck um i love watching him and then i remember seeing obviously your brett hearts your nasty boys guy, guys like that a little bit of sean michaels and then getting sort of in the mid 90s i'd catch enough to see kind of diesel and razor and see odd pay-per-view roll rumble's always been my favorite um and i'd maybe get to see a king of the ring tournament um and I missed the big build-up of Stone Cold. I didn't really know anything about him because I'd, I'd maybe catch, by the end of the 90s, I was off to St Andrews Uni. So I'd catch like a Royal Rumble or I'd catch snippets. And I loved it. I was never more than a casual fan. And that wasn't because I didn't want to be more. I didn't realise, I was too naive to, to figure out how to access stuff. Like go online. The internet was around then. It was dial-up. But I could have found stuff, and I, I had no idea about this, that like a wrestling community, and um, whether it was internet or or letters and and wrestling magazines, I was just completely naive to all of that. I mean, I didn't even know there was uh, until I started properly watching wrestling, and uh, I didn't even know there was like a tape trading scene or anything when I was younger. I mean, no, I I'm, no I'm a little bit I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm probably about. When I started, it was just tail end of the nineties, uh, and I was about nine ten. I was born nineteen ninety, but uh, st still still old enough to still think of Mike Awesome, though, uh, as we as we said <laughs> off off the off the recording. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of I, I understand that because the only time I got to see wrestling growing up was uh, was because I had a friend with Sky, he had Sky Box Office, so I got to, to get the tapes like three days afterwards because he'd have to watch them first. Of course, that's that's his right by recording it. Yeah. Uh, and I would see uh, Heat on Channel 4 and the pay-per-views when they did it on Channel 4 and worldwide. I didn't know about... Yes. I didn't know Cartoon Network changed over to TNT or anything like that. I knew nothing about that. I, and we had on digital. We didn't have Sky or anything like that. It was it was on digital. ITV digital, I think it was at the time. So it was... Yep. I'm in the same, same boat as... I I was I was a bit more of a casual starting up because I didn't know there were so many ways to actually access all this wrestling content and if if it wasn't after six o'clock uh, then I wasn't going to internet anytime soon because it's free after six of course because that's how dial up mm. worked yeah uh, so it was it was an interesting time nowadays I mean it it is weird as a thirty year thirty one year old now watching all these 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 youngins. Uh, as as I age myself horribly, just having all this access to everything, and I'm just sitting there going, "Back in my day, <laughs> yeah, hope very much." So hope like... that that uh, my my friend's dad got up in the middle of the night to change over the the tape so we can get both parts of WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, they 
and it's remembering though no there's some wcw on channel four on like sunday at 9 a.m get it because i want to see what happens to harlem heat you know um and if you missed it that was it because especially the, the channel four stuff there's no real continuity it wasn't nitro or thunder or anything it was just i will chuck on a few wcw matches these ones look quite nice so that's it yeah or uh, or um, again, going a little bit more for, forward is is I was getting dragged to Sunday school, but I needed to I need to run home from church to home so I could catch metal, WWF <laughs> metal, because yeah. uh, it's the only time I get to see it. Because like I said, there was there's no repeats. If you missed it, you missed it. That was that was it. Yeah. It's all over. Um, I didn't realize until like just maybe ten years ago, which still is relatively new and all this kind of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved flats. I didn't have anything to record with didn't have any tapes or dvds to record so i was like back in time where i was living going right i need to watch brooklyn 99 on e4 at eight o'clock or nine o'clock if i miss that opportunity i've never seen that episode again <laughs> so that's yep. all over um yeah like like i say you you, you young people <laughs> able to they haven't got a clue it. they're born exactly God, their phones don't even have wires into the wall anymore <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the pain if if you didn't take out the wee the wee thing out of the VHS tape, and if you didn't, then your dad would would overtake Just it with Top it. Gear, yes, or something, and you'd be yeah, sitting Gardner's there. world. Oh. <laughs> sitting there hoping to watch Royal Rumble 2000 again just to, just to see if they edited it properly with Mae Young and then you end up seeing Jeremy Clarkson and that's not the tip you want to see no um, <laughs> so uh that's that seemed to have locked a deep-seated rage I have. Uh, <laughs> so you watched it, and you say you never went to see anything live until you actually started training. So yeah, I, I just do that. I I I naively never even really realised there was much in the way of wrestling in the UK, other than I saw the odd posters as a young teen for things like um you know the tribute shows oh they've got undertaker and things so it's the you know the tribute to american wrestling shows which is what the kind of uk was known for in the 90s early 90s um but i never even thought to ask my parents because i I just assumed the answer would probably be no um but by the time sort of early 2000s came around when i think it was raw certainly i can't remember about smackdown but they were on it was on sky one and again I was living in a flat. I was just been in like my third year at uni, I think, um, or maybe maybe about to graduate. And again, on digital at the time, um, and just used to watch Raw and Sky One, and then when you got the pay per views that, that were free, watch those. And I just got into a habit of watching it much more regularly. Um, and. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd never never thought to go and see it live. At that point, I didn't even realise they even came to the new UK, which sounds ridiculous, but I just I just ne- I just never twigged in my brain. Um, and I was uh, it was two thousand two thousand and ten. I've been watching stuff, and for some reason, I was looking up D'Lo Brown on Wikipedia. And I can't remember why. I'd, it'd been on like velocity or heat and done something. And there's something I'd, I wondered about. So I went onto Wikipedia, looked it up. And then I, I saw a thing about him having wrestled a match against the UK kid um, for the SPWO UK Championship, which was part of SSW. I went, 
helps that. And I'd, I'd tried Googling a couple of times in the previous two years to see if there was wrestling in Scotland. And I'd found some web pages, but the, the stuff was based over in Glasgow. And at the time, I didn't really have a way of kind of traveling from St Andrews to Glasgow easily. Um, so I'd just kind of left it in the same once I was in Edinburgh in the, the sort of I would actually I would have been in Edinburgh at this point. I've always been kind of nervous public on public transport. I just never thought I'd be able to be get to Glasgow by train and then figure out my way to get somewhere. Um, so I didn't, and then I, I found SSW in West Lothian just by accident because I looked up Dilo Brown and I found that he'd wrestled for one of their titles on a VPW show down on the south coast. Um, and then I thought I'm a bit old for this, but I've always wanted to do it. Um, you know, I was 31 at this point um, and went, going to regret it if I don't. So I hummed and hawed and then and went for it. So definitely one of those, uh, I mean, when you look back now, when, when you see, I mean, the, the, the two people always come up in the conversation when you say, oh, you're too old to do this. It's always DDP mm -hmm. and uh, Batista are the two guys that, yeah. that come to mind of like, no, no, it's fine. Uh, but then when you look at them, they, they were like athletic bodybuilding. They were in good enough shape to to pull it off. Oh, they're both, uh, they're both so. about, I think Batista's about six four, and and DDP's about six six as well, which helps. Uh, so so we turn around myself. I'm five ten and nineteen stone. So I don't think I'm going to make it at this age. I think I think that's that. I'll leave it to I'll leave it to the youngins. But thirty one then. So that's that's my age now. That's terrifying to think of. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So uh, thirty one. What was your kind of athletic background then to think that you did you think you would you would do well or were you just a case of if I don't do it now then I'll never do it that was very much it I was like I'd got a friend I'd, I was working for RBS at the time and um discovered it I made friends with a, a, another person that started there at the same time a colleague and he was a massive wrestling fan uh, and he was subscribed to Power Slam magazine, so he introduced me to that. So I'd been reading Power Slam magazine since like 2005, and that's where I kind of got into watching a bit of TNA because it was also accessible, much more accessible on TV as well. Um, so I'd been reading a lot of sort of Power Slam magazine, and then I'd got more and more into wrestling. I was still probably a casual fan. I didn't, you know, f follow everything and, and look up everything. I wasn't checking things online I wasn't aware of like the UKFF or, or anything like that um, but I'd got into I really got into my own training um, I'd had stop start since about the age of 17 training hitting the gym and no idea what I was doing this is back in the days before before there was um, like knowledgeable communities and forums and things like that um, you know, this is when I started getting into gym training. A computer was something someone had at work. So weren't weren't in people's houses. That's aging me. I knew one person with a mobile phone. You know, I bet just, it was like this big. And it, 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 well, at that time, the, the the sort of late nineties, they were small but just very expensive. So no one kind of had them. Um, so I'd I'd got into training a few times. You know, buying sort of flex magazine and burying myself at some uh, workout that was designed for a, a high level amateur, if not professional bodybuilder that's taking steroids and I'm this sort of skinny 17 year old trying to smash myself to pieces, which didn't work. So I kept making myself ill, but 
in sort of mid 2000s i got really into my training got introduced to a sort of through another friend at a sort of spitting sawdust type gym like old school bodybuilding gym with loads of just huge roided up guys but they were all really nice with the exact like there's always one or two grumpy buggers but um generally these guys kind of took me under their wing um and i just got into bodybuilding initially um and i, I was training for that and i hummed and hawed as to whether it, it's a, a conversation i have internally all the time it's like I want to go to the dark side. Do I want to try, you know, dabbling a bit of gear or something just to see what that does? And I've never kind of gone that because it's not something you can back out of. So I've never been sure. And then I was getting more serious thinking about maybe getting into bodybuilding because as much as I enjoy training, I wanted a reason to train beyond training. And then when I found wrestling, it was like a, a sort of light bulb moment. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably too old, but it's it's an outlet for my training it's a genuine outlet for my training i wasn't good at rugby um i wasn't good at football um i've done quite a lot of i've done a few different martial arts i've done karate to um brown bell i've done um a couple of different forms of eskrima so i've done rapid arnis and um Filipino self-defense, which combines sort of military Aikido and boxing, a bit of Muay Thai, that sort of thing. Not being incredible, you know, great at them. And as much as I enjoyed combat, I enjoyed the idea of wrestling more. So when I had that, I'm like, there's my outlet. There's a reason for me to train because my reactions aren't great, especially with my glasses on, even with contacts in. I'm slow. I've tried tried a little bit of boxing. I'm great at stopping a fist. Unfortunately, I stop it with my face. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just in in actual physical combat. It's not that I freeze. I just move a bit too slow. Um, so I was never going to be any good or remotely competitive in that. And I don't enjoy just turning up and getting leathered. For it's why I've never kind of competed in powerlifting. Um, although I, I've enjoyed that style of training in the past, it's like I've seen the numbers that guys at my weight would lift. It's like a, it's not that I have to win, but I don't want to go and lift the weights that the guys ten kilos lighter than me would be lifting, and them lifting heavier. I'm like, nah, I'm okay. I'm not remotely competitive, um, and wrestling was my my chance, as it were. And I thought if I don't if I don't take the plunge, if I leave it a year or two, well, that's it. I'm definitely too old. So uh, per perfect way. To, it's kind of like a perfect storm of of everything. You could you could shoot, you could do a little bit of combat, but it's not inherently. Uh, you're not going to get super hurt if it, if the timing's a little bit off. Uh, but you can still show off the the fruits of your labor for all all the all the training you've done. Um, yeah. So I, I seem to a lot of people. I don't know if it's just because I didn't know wrestling training was in Scotland or what have you, but it seems to be a lot of a lot of guys if they're big wrestling fans. They do a martial art instead, thinking this will be close enough because there's no wrestling in the UK. Why did that? I can't mm. actually do the wrestling. This is as close as I'll get to it. Uh, but at least then you've you've come, you're coming in to train him with a little bit of uh, a, a foundation to work from. You've you've got the power, of course. You'll be able to lift folk, which is always a handy skill to have in wrestling. And uh, of course, you'll actually have you'll be able to defend yourself as well if, if something would go wrong i mean you probably still get hit the first time but at least by the second time you've been on the ball to to grab and hold and throw or what have you needed to do 
Um, but what was that first session like then? So you've watched wrestling all these years, bits in, in and out, and, and seen all this big glitz and glamour, uh, all this arch data, not so much glitz and glamour, but by 2010 it was. Uh, you're coming into, was was it SSW that you started out? Yeah. You said that? yeah. It's probably not as glitzy and glamorous as, as the WWE or TNA was. What was, what was your initial reactions going into that first first train session? Um, it, it was okay. I remember absolutely loving it. I mean, it, it was weird. It was a sort of dingy attic, like all just matted attic. There's no ring or anything like that. Um, but I remember loving it. There's just like that first week, I was just like, oh man. Because I, I, I didn't really know how to bump or anything, but I'm an adult. So they were just like, oh, can you do that? And I'd watch a couple of people like, Oh yeah, I've done that before. So I did the back bumps, front bumps, flip bumps. I've never done them, but I'm like, ah, screw it. Um, and I, I don't think I wasn't given a crash mat or anything. No, I was just straight on the solid mats. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I was I was a bit sore um, afterwards. I didn't. It was weird that the bumps weren't too bad at the time. I mean, you felt them, but um, I think I was just full of adrenaline too excited about it yeah absolutely loved it i was there a little bit of you that like say you're, you're an adult so you're coming into a session and there's probably people younger than you were you kind of like i said that that you didn't like being the competitive you don't not that fuss for being competitive but it was a part of you going i'm a grown-ass man here i'm going to show these kids i can do this just as well as they can uh, um not not so much that although there was a guy there called crazy davy who was at least my age if not slightly older um and genuinely a bit bonkers um but uh it wasn't so much that it was i i'm fully grown i can't shit out of this stuff i've i've done various martial arts i can't shit out of the this stuff but sorry swearing um i can't um i can't back out and say no when when there's a, a sort of 16 year old there that can do it i'm like well if a 16-year-old kid can do it, then I need to suck it up and, and just get on with it. Um, it's obviously not doing any any harm. It might win me a little bit, but pff, tough. It's, it's part of it sort of thing. Um, so you say you started your training in 2010. I've got your debut match, thanks to the, the wonderful people at Cage Match, as that same year. Yes. Um, that's, did you feel that was early uh did you think that it was you you're pushing how long was it between your first session and actually making your debut two months so i started right at the end of january maybe the start of february and then i was on a show in march um in the battle royal and the, that was the first time I saw wrestling. No, no, I, I helped out on a show, actually. And that was the first show the month before. And, and February show was the first time I saw any wrestling live. And I was blown away. I'm like, wow. I can't remember there was like, for like Kaylee Ray was on that show. And I'm sure it was her that, that took a bump off the dumbbell. I was like, and I think Nikki Storm was on that show. And um, I think BT Gunn was on the show as well. Um, I can't remember who else. Um, maybe Davy Blaze as well. Um, very young Davy Blaze. Um, so yeah, I was just blown away by watching this. Um, but the first show I was on, 
yeah, that I actually had to ask. I remember asking Viper if it was okay if she minded stepping out the ring for a second so I could take a bump in the ring two hours before the show started because I'd never taken a bump in a ring before. And, and I did it and I went, oh, that's so much softer than training. That's nice. It's like a mattress. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was too soon. Um, and I had a match, I think, the following month. Um, and it was it was too soon, but not, it was more a reflect of the training I think really rather than and not of it to a degree my ability but um, the first time I hit the ropes in a wrestling ring was when I was whipped off the ropes in that battle royal the first time I hit a clothesline was hitting a double clothesline going through the air on two guys um, there was a lot of first times and in, in that, that you know I'd never done anything like that in training first time i was eliminated was i don't think i'd been shown how to be eliminated i think i just got kind of thrown over the top rope and over you go i'm big enough i'll find i'll be i'll be fine if i just go <laughs> sort of thing which is not great but the guys that i was in the ring with were did okay by me you know they kind of looked after me um but yeah it was too soon and then i had my first match against muslim um, I think in April that year. Um, um, so I mean that that would have been one of the guys that would have would have trained you, wasn't it? Because he, he was the he was yeah. the the owner, promoter, and and trainer. Yeah. So so at least then, if I mean that's that's you think nowadays that's a terrifying prospect that you're you <laughs> two hours beforehand you never actually bumped in a ring and then two hours after that you never actually ran the ropes either so you're doing all these things on the fly and it's just i suppose it's lucky that you were in the ring with with folks that um knew how to look after you uh, but it could yeah have been... a couple of guys that did were yeah they, they were decent i mean they were told you know he's very new um just kind of keep an eye on him, make sure he's all right. Um, and then we went through the couple of things we were going to do before we got eliminated, so that's fine. Um, um, yeah. So were you, did you get your character name at that point? Were you effing off? Some... Yeah. Right, okay. So we've, 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 again, this is our, our off-air chat. We were saying that you mm -hmm. were a big fan of the name. Were you, was that just a case of your two months saying you've been given this name? I'll just whatever. I'll just go for it and just. And just... Uh, no, I tried. I tried coming up with different names and things and ideas, and I, I, I was kind of full of enthusiasm to start with, and um, all this stuff, and tried to suggest mu music, but I think it was just a control thing. He had. He had to. Um, him being Muslim, Murray had to. He had to give you your gimmick. He had to give you your theme music. Um, which uh, didn't know any better, so except the way it was, I think it annoyed a, a lot of guys that came in from other places because he he could be quite lazy, just use like William Regal's music or the NWO music for guys, and that would annoy them, you know. Um, uh, yeah, see, yeah, see why the music bit would be. Yeah, that's that's a bit weird, especially if you're getting a crowd that might be a bit more knowledgeable and going. What's happening here? Was was yeah. NWO music playing? <laughs> well, they, they were doing a, a gimmick that, that, that was it was um, the coffees. I think Mark Sweeney and Jackie Polo at the time were, were doing stuff, and they were called the band. Um, so doing that. 
you kind of get the connotation, but they want they wanted music that was for them, not just that. And like Big Demo getting Seamus's music, uh, that annoyed him and stuff and things. But yeah, yeah. Just, just a little bit, a little bit lazy. Um, and a yeah, a bit meh. Yeah, I, I, yep, I got. Oh, I feel really bad because he's an absolute legend. I can picture him as well. Blonde hair, tattoos, older. Jerry Lynn. Um, I got Jerry Lynn's second TNA theme. Was my what I got. And I tried suggesting about twenty other things over over the, the couple of years I was at uh, three or four years I was at SSW, but no, <laughs> I wasn't no, you're, you're no. stuck with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's not a bad choice of music. It's just yeah, it's, it's a super obscure and and again, it's not it's not really playing to your character. Uh, I mean, again, it's just it not something I would have chosen. It could have been worse. You could have. I think we've mentioned Meg Awesome far more times than I ever have in any other <laughs> podcast. But you could have his music, which yeah. is like awesome, is his name. That could have been way better. That would have been. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that. That. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't. <laughs> not so. No, don't feel so bad about the Jerry Lynn stuff now. <laughs> oh, there'll, there'll always be something worse that I'll think of yeah. in the back of my head, thinking, "Oh, you could use that instead." So, you, you did. You, you were. Effing awesome, and then mm-hmm. this this kind of split personality thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first saw you, it was you were you were this must be in twenty, obviously thirteen, possibly yes. in SWE, yeah. um, and you were Doctor Effing, and then you transformed into Mister Awesome, uh, which I blew my mind. I loved the idea. It was just it was just enough out there for me to just go this I'm all in. I mean this is the same guy that I love the Bulgarian Baker character in WCL. So I don't have a <laughs> I don't have a great range when it comes to <laughs> characters that I like. But so what was the idea? What who came up with the idea and uh what what convinced you to do this kind of split personality thing? Um I came up with the idea for because I I'd I was I'd I was quite friendly with Mackie um, and I'd, he'd said about getting me some bookings at SWE and, uh, you know, maybe as part of the Z list or something. And I said, well, I could be your doctor. And I said, well, what about we have Dr. Effin? And then, because Mackie's always had this mist and this, this goo and then I could do, I could transform. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, which is where the deacon comes from for for Deacon Matthews is Deacon Brody wrote Jekyll and Hyde. Um, the Deacon is also the first thing at the end of Prometheus, the first thing that kind of looks like an alien from the black goo, that's called the Deacon at the end of Prometheus that slowly becomes a protomorph, then the xenomorph, etc. Neomorph, etc. Um, so that's where the Deacons come from. And uh, I just thought I like I like the idea of doing something very gimmicky. Um, something a bit different just so I wasn't doing loads of bumps. I'd already um, given myself in 2011, I'd given myself a, not a, well, a nasty back injury that's led to sort of uh, SI joint dysfunction. So I'd, I'd sprained the, the left sacroiliac joint between my, my pelvis and spine. But it was initially diagnosed as a herniated disc. So um, I was just trying to trying to avoid doing so many 
uh, having to bump so much and, and hit so get more um get more gimmicky something like that and it's what i kind of in, enjoyed the, the character side and um, being a bit more um yeah and that just kind of grew from there i did a promo um where i, I made up a mock-up of a uh, a hair, like I plucked one of Mackie's hairs and, and just went on about the zytoplasmic reticulum and how I've extracted the to to make this elixir and stuff and I've, I've been experimenting and, and things like that and it just, yeah, they, they say the best gimmick so yourself turned up to 11 and um, I think that's what people don't quite get and I've, I've explained it a few times about the, the Jekyll and Hyde thing it is. It's me turned up to eleven. The 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 doctor effing is is me. The nice side, the side I have to show to my to my clients, to my to my kids. The 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 you know full of energy. I'll I'll be there. Although the doctor effing did get quite creepy and reckless, and um, you know the 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 sort of full of enthusiastic meet nice guy. I don't like upsetting people and things like that. The Mr. Awesome or, or Mr. Matthews or what uh, you'd call it now is much more the other side of me. Um, I I have a I do have a temper, but I don't. It, it is tempered, you know. I, I don't lose my temper a lot, but when I do, I'll absolutely blow my stack. It, it just doesn't happen very often. Um, and as a kid, I always just wanted to be the the big hard guy. So it's the I, I was quite a meek child. I was, I was kind of bullied a bit. So it's the, it's the, the sort of the monster in, in you as, as if it were. It's the, it's the one that wouldn't take any shit. So it's just they're both sides of my personality just turned up to the absolute max. Again, it's it's much like when you when you started. Uh, the reason you got into wrestling was was taking all these all the all the things that you wanted to do, and wrestling seemed to be the perfect perfect storm for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with with the Doctor F and Mister Awesome card. You're like, right? I like I like the idea of being this kind of nerdy uh, but calm spoken, just happy to be there kind of guy. But I also want to be the monster. I want to be the angry guy. So you found a way to again. Take, make this perfect storm of a character where you can do both. You can just be either yeah. or, if you decided to be. Uh, and and the genius of of like you say your your bump card was kind of getting full because of your of of an injury. Um, you were able to. I mean, some matches may take one bump was where you get knocked down as Doctor F, and and then that's the only bump you're taking for the rest of the evening because you're going to come back and just demolish folk instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you've you've. Same when you started and, and with your character, you've you've seemed to like logically look back and went, right? What do I want? I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. Great. There we go. This is how we get everything in one go at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I have wrestled almost an entire match as Doctor Effin. Um, most of my offense was accidental. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, like uh, passing out when someone's trying to hit you <laughs> so they miss and tripping up and then following the head button them in, in the nuts and things like that so yeah um, so, yeah that's that's it seems super again this mashing things that you're able to do a little bit of things like cat weasel and all that wos hmm. kind of stuff and then you're able to um so world of sport wos is, was the reboot uh world yeah. of sport kind of stuff and then you're able to to bring in a little bit of the arch data kind of stuff as well and then it's all cartoon character it's 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 so layered 
that when people watch it, they're like, oh, it's amazing. And then when you when you start stripping it back, it's like, oh, there's a reason for all these kind of little bits and pieces as well, which is um, a little bit mind-blowing for me at this point when it, I'm just yeah, talking about but it. It's, it's, there's, re- there's, there's reasons behind it, but they're, they're, I think people think think it's just I came up with an with an idea and that, that I thought would be cool. I'm like, no, everything kept going back to... It was something I, I remember Triple H first saying it. That I was watching an interview with him years ago. It was like the, the best. They always say the best gimmicks are that person. And yeah, I just... There's more than one side to me. I'm not... And so, yeah, and it allows me to just be both sides of me or at least two two sides of me. I don't know how quite how many sides I have. <laughs> Um, so I've got, I've got here 2015. Um, you you decided to step away from wrestling. Was this was this your uh, injury kind of catching up with you? It, um, it, it was another injury, um, a, along with some other things. Um, I wrestled Nathan Black in I think August 2014, sometime in the summer 2014. I'd come back. I'd I think I'd stopped. March 2014 because I didn't feel I was going to be safe in the ring with anyone because I was uh, dieting for a bodybuilding competition um, in April and I was just I had two emotions, um, hungry and tired and often they happened at the same time and that was it, I'm just like I don't want to risk hurting anyone like if I get hurt that's one thing so I think I dropped the hardcore belt in in March and just kind of disappeared Um, had competed in I think April and then just kind of got myself feeling normal again I just I'd, again like like when I first started training when I when I competed the bodybuilding I sorted my own nutrition and I just kind of messed my hormone levels up a bit I, I was getting to the point where I was sleeping three hours a night and I was just tired all the time and I was even afterwards it, it messed my levels up I, I was not str- struggling emotionally, but just just trying to. F- <laughs> and my head was just mince for a bit. Not not in terms of thinking I was going to have a breakdown. I just I was struggling to focus on things. I'd just put myself gone too strict and made myself too exhausted and just messed up my hormone my natural hormone balance. So I took a month or two to get back. I was still training, but I wasn't wrestling. Um, then I had a match with Nathan Black, and near the start of the match. He crotched me on the top turnbuckle and then I rolled into the ring and my right shoulder popped. I separated my right shoulder. Um, Wrestled the rest of the match because it it just felt tight. Walked back through the curtain and nearly threw up because the pain just hit. Literally, as I stepped through, the pain just hit me because it felt tight when it happened. And I'd seen the bit back. Essentially, I do a high shoulder roll and my shoulder just popped nothing bad about the bump or the way I fell it just went um, and I was in agony um, wrestled another match the next day because I thought it was just a pulled muscle and after that I realised it was serious, I saw someone 10 days later and went what did they say in the x-ray I'm like, x-ray? Just, oh, you're an idiot, you've, you've popped your acromion, you've, you've separated your shoulder so I had to rehab that um, for a while and um, this is where it kind of gets tough um, I've got I've got serious anxiety issues and mental health issues and this is the reason I'm 
tongues to use because I know my family won't see this. Um, I don't talk about my mental health. Um, I've, and it got really, it was getting worse and worse. I went up to a seminar at SWE, Marty Jones and Johnny Saint, and it was getting the shakes on me up. I've had times when I was driving to an SSW show where I'd be bursting into tears on the drive there, um, masses of performance anxiety. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was struggling. I just couldn't couldn't cope with the idea of wrestling and it wasn't SSW just wasn't a good environment I'd rather not go into too much detail about it but I don't think there's many people saying that it's not he just wasn't a, a nice person um it was main, mainly Murray just not everything about it was negative but there's not on when you look back you're just like you just feel that we were gaslit for quite a lot of the time um but uh it got too much and I was trying to transition from personal training part-time to go in completely full-time, giving up a, a job with a young child uh, and a mortgage and going into that. And um, so I, I just gave it up. I was I was just really struggling. Um, yeah, and uh, I tried to, yeah, I tried to deal with that. And uh, yeah, sometimes I'm okay. Sometimes I really struggle. Yeah, when when it comes to all that wrestling, I mean, like you're saying, you, you came into it late anyway. You, I don't think you had any immediate aspirations that you were going to be main event in WrestleMania anytime soon. So it wasn't a it wasn't a priority. It wasn't the the thing. It wasn't the be all and end all. If you weren't doing it, it would be nice if you were. But yeah, you're like I've got I've I've got grown up issues to deal with. Uh, I don't yes. need to I don't need to throw in some wrestling uh, to do it as well. Um, it seems to be kind of. Not common occurrence because I, I don't don't speak to I speak about SSW a lot, uh, but um, there seems to be some promotions that are like they like you're saying you were given that name or you're told that was your name, uh, that they kind of try and brand you, and then you're theirs forever kind of thing, and it's quite it's an abusive relationship at at, at the at the core of it, because um, it could be the case where you're booked somewhere else and they'll go no no no, you're you're our guy, so you're booked at our show and that kind of thing, and it's it's uh, that's I've why never... that's why you never saw me in Sui after 2013. I wasn't allowed to go. So, uh, so it's 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 a uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird world. I don't. I, I'm only looking at the outside, so I don't know what's happening on the intern. I've I've, I've had run-ins in that with with people in the past, but nothing of that kind of level where, where it could be a case of if I can't, I can't go anywhere because I'm a fan. Who, who cares where I go? Uh, so, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, not that we're, that we're going to just move past it entirely, but, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it sounds like you, you went through a hell of a time. I don't want to just to, just to like focus on it and drive no, into okay. it any further. As I say, no, the, there was, that exacerbated the issues. I would never turn around and say that that caused everything. It just didn't help. Um, and it, it, it's, um, yeah, it was it was adding fuel to the flames. Absolutely. Uh, and like you, you probably didn't even know, like you say, gaslit, you didn't even know it was mm. happening until you got out of it. You're thinking, yeah. oh, okay, this is, that is, that is that, yeah, rose tinted spectacles is what I used to call it mm-hmm. uh, for for other places. Um, so 2015, that was you. That was you done. You're you're mm-hmm. 
your grown-up things. You got a young daughter. You're oh, sorry, I've assumed daughter, but you got a young child. Uh, you're you're going, you're making a, a your PT a full-time thing. Then 2017 rolls around, and you met Michael Chase in a gym. Yes, I, I um, you, you have right, done your research. We, we've interviewed um, you before, back in 2019 huh? or 2020, uh, for uh, that's oh, of course you did. did. Yeah, the start. Yeah, of um, yeah. Um, so I'd met um, Big Stevie Colquhoun, who'd who'd been, I think, Dark Angel in SSW, and he he'd fallen out with this guy as well, um, and he he'd been friends with Mikey and and was around Reckless when it first started. And I, I saw Stevie in the gym and I said, look, I saw Mikey at this this seminar in 2014. I never got the chance to say anything. I was like, I never had an issue with you guys. That was between you and Murray. I, I just, life's too short. I don't care. And he's like, oh, that's cool. I'll let him know. And then the following week, I saw Stevie there again. Hi. And he's like, oh, Mikey's over there. So I introduced myself, said hi. I said, look, I had never had any issues. I was like, cool, I never had a problem with you because we had actually worked each other in SSW. Um, and uh, we just started talking. And then the subject of Scotty Rennick's charity show came up. And, you know, would you like to be involved in that? I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, I'll happily join in the Battle Royal and, you know, it's a charity show to help raise money for Scotty. Awesome. And I just went, went along to that with no expectations. It was nice to see a load of the guys I hadn't seen in a few years. Um, and I thought, that's cool. I'll, I'll go out. Um, I might hit a couple of people. I'll probably get hit, hit back and launched out the ring. I'm in and out a couple of minutes and, and it's fun. And I've been, been part of something cool. Um, and then I think Jam and Mikey said to me, uh, no, we've got a little spot for you. And um, we've got Mackie here. One, little spot and you're going to do the, the transform transformation and stuff and you'll be in the last four and and stuff like that so oh, okay um so they did a little thing in there and um they're just like yeah that got that got over do you want to come back and i was like mm, okay um <laughs> but i thought if i if i go back i need to train um i, I can't just like i'm fit enough but I haven't done any wrestling. And that's when, that was the biggest shock. I think I started training again in March, 2018. And it was like, I'd never done anything. The, it was just so different walking into Reckless Unit with Mikey, who is, he's quite, a, as, a, as a coach, who's a hard taskmaster, but hard in the best way. It was all about standards. Um, you know, he just wouldn't go, ah, that's all right. But no, look, again, he'd had the WWE tryout. Um, or no, I think that was just before he was get, got the tryout. I, I think, I can't remember exactly when he got it. But he was, so he, he'd kind of known what was expected of that. And he, he held everyone, especially the, the guys that were, were very serious about it. He'd hold them to a high standard because like, you want to make it, have this standard, you know, take pride in in what you do and the way you work. Very into footwork and, and getting the basics nailed and crisp. And that was just such a shock because I'd not really... I trained in the ring a couple of times, but not really very much at all. Um, I could do a static slam. Um, I knew how to take bumps, you know, and, and throw lines and things like that and suplexes. But this whole idea of positioning and movement and why you do stuff. I was, I was at least 18 months in before I'd heard of a shine and a comeback.
I know I had no idea. I've I wrestled a whole stack of matches where we just did moves to each other until we decided that was the end. We had no no psychology, no because I, I didn't know. Effectively, I was a fan doing moves like a video game. Um, that was the kind of level of training I'd come from, um, and that kind of started. It was a shock, and um, Alistair Adams was very, very similar. I mean, he'd got more experience in the adult side with with Scotty Rennick, but um, Scott was great, but he wasn't there for a huge amount of time. And it's just, it was like beginning again for not not from absolute basics, because um, you can you can do the basics, but anyone can be shown in a couple of hours as long as that they they've got the confidence to do to take a bump to throw a clothesline. To, I realised I didn't in terms of actual professional wrestling and working a match, it's like, ooh, the game's moved on. Um, and yeah, I've just kept at, kept at it since then. I suppose uh, it's, it's a benefit that, of course, uh, Michael Chase, uh, Mike, he, he came from that school. And uh, I know we've got on our site, so it's not going to be pulling the wool, of, uh, like pulling the curtain too much, but he, he got to the point where he thought he was blackballed from wrestling because he thought, because of this gaslit mentality of of uh, the Onya kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it turned out that everybody thought, thought the same thing. With <laughs> that, that, and we're like, no, no, they're just in that corner, that dark corner. Just ignore them. Come do this. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so just, just just it 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 was. It was just like, and so many like I remember speaking to Demo about stuff, and he was like, no, no, I've got an issue with him, not you. Like, oh, thank God. Um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, like you say, Alex as well being an example of, of someone who was in that environment and then seemed seem to seem to be in other places now. Now he's gone out of it. Um, again, this is all. So a lot, a lot of it is just me filling some of the blanks. So I'll just I won't speculate because you know sort of folk that'll still uh, send you a cease and desist, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> so uh, so you started up with 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 uh, Lothian Academy Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, or reckless stint at the time, and then and then their school yeah. became LAPW, uh, and then I, I've not got my notes after that, so I'm going to go from the old brain. Uh, yeah. It wasn't long before you were you were back in reckless stint, like say you did the Scotty Rennick uh, tribute show, and then you you're a hardcore champion. So as things change, some some stay the same. Yes, <laughs> you're still, was, still uh... the, the hardcore guy. Yeah. Um... Which was weird. I, I think it's. I, I'm always. I don't mind doing the hardcore stuff. It's fun, but um, it's easy to overdo it. Like I, I learned a lot facing Mikey in a hardcore match. The whole less is more thing, that, and my, some of my best, and arguably all my best matches have been against him. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't mind being hit with stuff. I don't. My my biggest issue with doing hardcore stuff is if you're not doing it at somewhere like ICW or more more of an adult show, you have to temper what you're doing. Like if I if I do hardcore, I'm happy to do thumbtacks. I'm happy with barbed wire as long as it's clean. Um, and I don't mind bleeding hard way. Um, that that's fine. But you can't. Do too much of that on a on a family show. So I've um, when I got the opportunity, there's a few times I maybe pushed it a little bit, just because I'm like, oh, I've got barbed wire. Okay, don't worry, I'm taking it. <laughs> you know, um, 
but yeah, I, I just went. I, I seemed to go back to the being the hardcore guy um, for a little while. Um, I think it was just easy for me to do. Um, not not from my perspective, but easy for them to get me to do. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it kind of it kind of eased you back into the the world yeah. again by by just yeah. putting you back into the hardcore stuff. Did you find that that like mentally when you, you came from like this kind of grey, and then you, when you came back after two years, you're able to get yourself kind of in a, in a better position uh, mentally at the time. Uh, coming in as like Technicolor, so like it's, it's like uh, Wizard of Oz. Like, like the tr- the transfer over into Oz, you you came from this dark green place. As soon as you entered Reckless Ten, you're like, oh, this this is what wrestling should be like, kind of thing. Uh, did you have that kind in, of impression when you when you went over? In terms of people and the the environment, yes. In terms of in my own head, no. <laughs> in my own head, it was still. Um, we might go into that a little bit deeper in a bit. Um, but yeah, in in terms of the way everyone was and the way like the the, the difference being you know the the guys running the show whether it's Mike or Jam or, or whoever was involved in setting up the show they'd be there like obviously the, someone like Mikey's not going to be the first guy that's breaking down the ring but he's going to be there and making sure everything's coordinated everything's sorted um, and the other guys and it's a group of people trying to organize things and and you know the, the physical side the labor inside and, and sorting everything out a group of guys kind of shouting each other and and jostling each other and having a laugh again it, it just felt like a unit of people doing stuff so it was much nicer the atmosphere um backstage uh, was just not as tense it wasn't unpleasant you know those people getting stressed and things the guys involved in running the show and stuff like that and and uh, sort of julie running around organizing things and, and stuff like that but not you didn't feel like people had an issue with you there there wasn't you know there was no sideways glances and and stuff like that um because that was something else I came from. Like the, the outside guys when I first started were always a bit quiet and a bit reserved and a bit mm, toward, towards us. And I thought it was because they, they were just rude or they just didn't like us guys, the the, the guy the guys that were from from sort of SSW. And it wasn't they just they had an issue with the guy running it. They had no issue with us. They were absolutely cool. Like dive, divers, you know, divers was always friendly, but I was always a little bit wary of them. Um because he, 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 again, he, he just seemed to be a, uh, irritable, but not towards us. He just seemed to be a bit on edge. And it turns out they're just annoyed with, with this guy because he was me- messing them about. Um, and then going into this environment where everyone's being treated fairly, they know, they know they're going to be asked to do a certain task. They're going to be wrestling. They're going to be paid. They know exactly how it's going to be they're going to be treated like adults like like it's a business um it was just so much more relaxed there which was nice which helped to a degree it didn't add to my anxiety um but i was still just like mm, wretched in the toilets <laughs> sort of um so i mean you, you stay in step your last hardcore champion according to my notes because uh, yes. you merged it with the uk championship so did you find uh, when no i retired the hardcore belt it didn't get merged, it got retired. Ah, right. Okay, so I got very in, confused in, with the notes. Yeah, in, in, results up. Yeah, in theory, 
in theory, the hardcore belt could come back. I don't know that, and this isn't me saying it will or anything. I, I don't know anything about that. But there's nothing stopping them bringing that belt back if they wanted to, because ultimately I, I just retired it. I, I took it and retired it. Um, I wasn't. Um, it wasn't a merger. So I'm sorry. I'm just gonna silence my phone. That's just messages. No bother. I, bet I know who this is as well. Oh no, it's not. Sorry, there we go. Uh, yeah, so okay, so it's 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 retired, so it can come back. So you won the UK championship, though. That's where we're at. Um, again, it was, it was I think it was against Michael Chase, wasn't was it? Wasn't it? No, um, oh, I'm that, doing rubbish the, now. I stopped no, writing my okay. notes. Down. I in 2019, I lost to Chase in February. Um, and then I lost the hardcore belt to him in the summer and then regained it back with a bit of nasty shenanigans um, later that evening. Um, the UK Championship was five man. It was myself, Air Miles, Massimo, Jack Morris. And I feel really bad because I can't remember who the fifth person was. I'm sure there was a fifth person. Um, I can't remember. I'll find out, don't you worry about yeah. that. Right, uh, let's see. UK Championship. Uh, oh, my, was it Glenn? Was it Dunbar? <laughs> annoyingly, it does not have that. <laughs> it has all your hardcore championship stuff, but it does not have the, the UK the title. UK. Uh, well, it, was, it was a five-man any, anyway, and I won it in that, because I was, yeah, that was a bit of a shock when they were going over. Uh, how it's the end of the match. I'm like, oh. So they just didn't let us know beforehand. It was just the day of the show. I said, all right, that, that's what's happening. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was a bit, of a bit of a shock. Did you find like this is this is kind of their equivalent to like the Continental title, uh, what mm -hmm. have you? So did you find that was kind of like not like a graduation, but like you, you've you've stepped away from the the hardcore bit, and now you're now you're. I don't know, proper wrestler. I don't know. That's, that's not the yeah, phrase. No, but you think you're, no, yeah, no, no. It's it's more of a, it's more of a legitimate title. But like in in SSW, there was no um, there was no secret about it that the that hardcore thing was just mainly a gimmick for me. As I said, not everything about my time there was negative. That was like, look, this is just part of a gimmick for you. It, it helps you get over. That's cool. Um, and I think the reckless hardcore title was a bit similar and um, not saying it was a gimmick for me but it was more of a, a gimmicky title it was you know it's 24 7 you could get it through sh shenanigans that sort of thing this is more of a legitimate if you're being getting what this sort of title put on you by the promotion it means the guys have a bit of faith in you so yeah it, it felt like more of a legitimate title it's probably the first proper one that i've had i think i might have had the tag ones in ssw but that was really count. Um, um, yeah, yeah the, the, the hardcore title, I remember, I think Doug, Doug Williams won by tapping out Darren Teagos to a handshake. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you go from that yeah. to being a, like winning it in a match is, is a whole different kind of... Yeah, exactly. It's, it was it was equivalent to the, the Attitude Era 24-7 thing. It was, you know... So, yeah, the reckless tent, so it's, things are, are looking up. You're working regularly, you're wrestling in a good environment um mm. of course there's still still days where 
they're still good in bad days, um, which which we know, which, which we've kind of touched on. Um, I just want to talk about your your first main event uh, against, well, first Reckless Tent main event uh, against Theodorus. Uh, Reckless yes, Tent my, my only my only proper main event. Right? I've I've been in a obviously when when a rumble's been a main event or a, a multi man hardcore main event type thing in the past. But yeah, that's the only main event I've ever been on. Um, yeah, um, and I nearly pulled out of it. Um, or I ne- nearly had to pull out of it. I did a seminar a fortnight before that, and I had a, a training match. And I did a s- springboard splash that I missed. On my opponent, I think it was actually a match against Alistair Adams. I'm, I missed. I was supposed to miss it, um, and I think I cracked the rib. Um, well, it was a possibly suspected cracked rib. I was like, oh no, and it just it was feeling pretty ropey. Um, but then a few days before it, and I'd already they'd got alternative plans because I'd, I'd phoned um, divers, and I think I think maybe. Kieran um, about it but then on the Tuesday before I turned and I got a click and then the pain the pain didn't go completely but it felt a lot better so I think what actually happened is a partially dislocated rib which is actually a lot easier than you think to par- not maybe fully dislocate one but just partially knock a rib out isn't that difficult to do and that's what I'd done and it clicked back in so yeah so that was it I was like sorry I know you got someone else but guys but I'm feeling okay. Can I still do it? <laughs> so, so and after what, looks of disappointment. <laughs> so, so one right, one right or left turn uh, saved you from never having that match to actually having that. Yeah, match. I, I, I think I'd, I'd, I lifted up a plate for a client, lifted and turned, and something clicked. And I was like, that doesn't hurt nearly as much now. Yeah. So Theo, of course, came right through the the. Reckless tent rank, so he's got yeah. the he's got a lot of uh, the Michael Chase blueprint. When you yeah, see him wrestle, he, there's definitely a lot of Michael Chase there. You know that uh, from from seeing him wrestle. So, were you were you kind of uh, did you find the match not easy, but did you find it quite uh, like straightforward because you knew that that's where Theo had come from, so you knew his training background, you knew that you could trust him with your body, kind of thing. And uh, did you find it similar kind of chemistry that you had with with Michael? Yeah, um, I I was absolutely petrified, um, but the um, I've wrestled very few people that I've I can only really think of one person where I've really not trusted them, um, and I won't name them, but um, and that was a, a long time ago. They're not really around now, or certainly not in Scotland. Um, but uh, generally speaking, uh, generally it's not an, an issue for me trusting someone with my body. But Theo is just amazing. He's really good. He's a his, his ability and and his his physique and the way he moves belies his his, his stature. Um, he's although obviously Pack is a, is amazing. Pac, it, it doesn't remind me of Pack in, in the way he moves or anything. But you forget he's not a big. A big guy because he's there's this aura and charisma about him that that actually it makes him credible 
against someone despite him being a shorter guy and um, there's so, something about him which which yeah that there's a lot of people don't have um and he's he's, he's a really cool guy as well um he made he made it um easy for me and he would he was he was good but yeah um no it was it was a nice match yeah. It's kind of like a bulldog kind of thing. It's like it's, it, 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 it might be smaller, but you know that it could rip you apart if it wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's not even just that. The way he carries himself and, and the way he's developed his physique, it's you look at him and you don't go, well, there's a small guy with muscle. You just go, there's a solid looking guy that's an athlete. And it, I don't know, it's just that certain something that you can't quite put your finger on that goes you don't register that he's a short guy. As I say, that's what reminds me of, of Pac because you, you look at him and you just look at him and you don't think of him as a, as a shorter guy. I mean, the guy obviously is one of the best in the world and things, but there's something about that. Someone like Theo, I don't go, well, I'm wrestling a little guy. Mm-hmm. He's a muscly little guy, but he's a little guy. You just don't, you don't look at him that way. You're just like, well, I'm wrestling a solid little bugger or just a, not even little, just, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. There's just something about him where, where he, um, despite his height, he's like he, he feels that you feel like you're wrestling someone over six foot, sort of thing. Just the way he carries himself. Uh, and and outside of that, of course, you you debuted in Discovery. Uh, was it was it during was, was it before the raffle event or was it at the raffle event? No, it was you, at the raffle event. It was at the raffle event. Um, so this was a, a a surprise for everyone. It was the Reckless Raffle, uh, Raffle Reckless Royal. Whatever they wanted to call it, it was very confusing. Yeah. But, uh, but I had to write it out as well, and I was like, "I'm fit." What's this called? Anyway, uh, so that was a discovery debut. So again, this is this is probably very much in the top three, maybe even the top two companies in the in Scotland. Uh, dare I say, it, even the top five in the UK, I would say Discovery Wrestling is. And we, we, you've already mentioned that you get nervous and anxious when it comes to wrestling matches in general. Uh, what was it like going out? to the Discovery crowd who are a bit more of a, I don't know, smarter crowd or a bit more of a, more in tune with independence and know what they want, know what they like and know what they don't like. Uh, what, was, what was it like getting into the ring for Discovery? Uh, I, I was really nervous, but there was 10 of us, I think. I'm sure, yeah, there were 10 of us. So it's safety in numbers. Um, so the, the, that didn't feel um, quite so bad, but it was cool getting a, a debut with Discovery um, yeah I, I enjoyed that um, I've watched the footage back and I'm like oh yeah there's me I'm the tanned guy <laughs> um, so um, no I, I really enjoyed it um, yeah and, and again like, like a, a lot of things we got some good constructive feedback uh, from from various people that were experienced which was nice um, but no I, um, it was Nice getting out in front of um, a non-reckless crowd. Um, reckless crowd that are cool, but it's nice to get out for another promotion. It's not something I've done since. Sort of sweet. So. Uh, of course, you were due to be in the in the disco derby, and then COVID, COVID arrived and ruined everyone's fun. Uh, so when when that kind of stopped, wrestling kind of was was done. I mean, yourself you do PT work, so at first, did you have to try and adapt? Were you doing things like Zoom chats? How did you How did you uh, transition yourself from not doing any wrestling, not doing a lot of physical work to to trying to 
keep things going? Uh, how, how do you um, cope with that? Zoom. Um, yeah. Uh, Zoom PT sessions. And I was doing three free circuit classes a week for my clients. Um, I'd got a load of kit in my garage, so I was doing a lot of training in the garage. Um, plus, my son was at school. So at the time, my daughter was still at nursery. So just trying to kind of keep her occupied. Um, teach my son. Um, but he, he was great. He'd be starting work at like half seven in the morning. So by midday, he was done with the schoolwork. And because the summer was nice, lots of cycling, going out on bikes um, with the kids. And the moment we were allowed to see anyone face to face, that's how I started doing outdoor PT. Um, I'd either take my kit into Edinburgh and see people, um, or a couple of clients would come out to me and I'd open the garage door and bring the stuff onto my driveway um, and, and do that. So. Um, yeah, and just kind of get on as best I could. That that certainly explains that when when we, we got onto the call, your mic was already set up and your audio was already on. Because I was, I usually when when I speak to anyone, I have to wait for the little bit in the corner to say audio connected. Uh, that's why I was like, I was a little bit concerned when when we connected. I was like, so saying that, and I said hello, and he said hello back. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've <laughs> still got a Yeah, because I've um, I've still got a couple of clients that do online um, some that are very immunocompromised and um, they're, they're having to be incredibly careful because even with the vaccine, they'd still be very high risk of being incredibly ill. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm continuing to train a couple of people online. And just just coping and muddling through. Uh, we're at a point now where it looks like shows are coming back and by the time well, this will come out mid-October, uh, so I don't think Reckless will be back just yet, or I'll just be coming back. And you're obviously on the posters for them. Thirtieth of October is the first Reckless show. Excellent. So that means so hopefully when this comes out, the, the hopefully there won't be tickets available. It'll be sold out, but uh, yeah, there may still be tickets available then. Uh, so when you're getting back to wrestling, uh, of course, because you have the equipment to, to train in that, and you're trying to get. I'm assuming you're trying to get as much time in 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 the Reckless tent unit as as often as possible as you can. What's your kind of hopes and once you get back to wrestling, is it just, just taking it as it comes again? Or have you got like a bucket list of wrestlers that you want to try and get in the ring with? What's your kind of aims? Um, my aims? Um, yeah, just kind of see it, take reckless as it comes. There's a couple of ideas that I have and, and chatting to stars about um, and just, seeing options um yeah i really want to get back to disco um so yeah watch this space um and it's weird i don't have a, a big bucket list of people i'd love to face um and again it comes comes back to the idea of facing people just terrifies me um but I'd, I'd I'd love to get the chance to work ICW. That'd be cool. Um, I'd, I'd love to have that opportunity. Um, in terms of facing different people, I'd I'd love to to face someone like ADM or Zero, um, Andy Wild. I think, um, would be a fantastic experience. Um, I've not had the chance to batter divers. I'd like to I'd like to give that a go. Um, yeah. 
guy, guys like that. But I mean, there's so many. You've got, um, you know, guys like Leighton Buzzard. There's so many guys that sort of come out from from the Glasgow side. Um, I haven't had a chance to see them, so I'm sure if I, you know, if if I see all these guys working, there'll be a whole stack of them. But yeah, they're yeah. the names that immediately spring to mind. Yeah, uh, wrestling at the moment is just yes. It's uh, of course things that happened uh, in mm-hmm. last year. Some people are out, which means that it's provided more opportunity and spaces for other people just to kind of burst out in the scene. And I mean, we were speaking about Theodorus, of course, that you can sit back and put on the WWE Network and search his name, and there he is. And you can turn to your kids and go, "See him? I wrestled him." <laughs> you don't need to add that bit, but yeah. <laughs> I wrestled I him for- in a main event. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, my son was there. Oh, um, okay, so you, you and he, he was the, no, no. Well, well, it's cool. He was the only one that wasn't cheering. <laughs> he was the only one that was upset. Um, but no, he come he comes to all the shows now, which is great. But um, yeah, I, just thinking of other people like Joe Hendry and, and guys like that. Um, yeah, anyone, anyone like that. But yeah, you don't even have to look for Theo. Just on some of the things, he was the the little thumbnail for the ICW show, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, there's this, again, like we're saying, there's plenty, plenty of opportunities, yeah. plenty of spaces now, now to to do whatever you do, whatever you want, but to have these opportunities and mm. and the likes of Andy Wilde, of course, popping up in NXT UK and uh, and on ICW and the WWE Network. He's a guy, I think that. If, if there's anyone to watch and to try and try and nab a match with before he eventually gets signed by one of the big companies, that's he's the guy to yeah. to get because uh, he seems to be just every, he seems to be able to do everything, which is a ridiculous thing at this stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that seems to be seems to be what Scotland breeds because of course Demo, uh, of course, came over and he can do just about everything as well. So it's very weird world that the UK can produce all these these talents that could do so many things but don't look like they can like you're saying with with Theo he, he looks he's, he's you don't think he's shorter but he is shorter but he's solid and he could do all these heavy yeah. lifting things and then do all this flying about and you think no just back back in higher day you did one yes. thing you did one exactly. thing very well <laughs> this is it. why I do character work <laughs> <laughs> I'm the big scary guy who can lift things. That is it. That's all I do. Yeah. I don't want to do flippy things. I, yeah. can't do flippy. <laughs> I, can, I can do half a flippy thing and then land on my head. And then I decide not to do that flippy thing again. <laughs> so do you think your, your son has any any interest in maybe trying to continue the, the family name? I mean, obviously not the awesome name, but the, the Matthews yeah. name uh, anytime in yeah. the future? Yes, he, he loves it. He's... Um, to train, not to train. Like when when I was going, when we we're sort of when when things were allowed to open, but it was non-contact. I'd often go down myself and just do solo drills. I came up with some absolutely horrific conditioning drills um, for for myself, and he'd just be playing about while I was taking a rest or getting a drink of water. He'd just be messing about in the ring, and there's at one point I'm sending someone a message. I, Someone catches me there, see the corner of my eye. Here he's upside down in the middle of the air doing a swanton off the top rope. You know, I'm like, you're nine years old. <laughs> just, just 
<laughs> you know, there's a there's like, oh, can I put the crash mat in the gym? Yeah, no, yeah, no problem. I'll put the crash mat in the ring, and he does little things, and then he starts doing the somersault. He's like, oh god, but he loves it. He's there's a couple of times recently where there's been guys doing kind of practice matches in, in the afternoon and he's come down and he's done a little bit of refereeing and he's actually not a bad little ref because um, he, he cares. He, he cares about it. He loves wrestling. He, he, he'll watch, say, a bit of WWE or AEW with with the, the ring in front of him and a couple of wrestlers and he'll be copying it as he watches and he, he keeps showing me, oh, Dad, I've got this finish move. Like, that works with figures but not with people. <laughs> but... Uh, no, I could I could see him getting into it. Obviously, he's a, he's a little bit young at the minute, um, but he had the chance to to have a go at a little bit of refereeing with Chris Quinn there to watch him and give him some feedback. And uh, yeah, Chris was really impressed, and because he takes it seriously, um, even at nine years old. The only time he doesn't is if, and he he's got no qualms about getting in between the wrestlers to get them out the corner and get them separated. But if the he'll turn around and shouts at him, he'll just stand there with a huge grin on his face because he just loves it so much. So no, I wouldn't be surprised if it, when he's older, he, he gives it a go. Well, I don't think there's there's ever been a, a, a father and son uh, tag team champions. Definitely not in Scotland. Where where if it has been elsewhere, I don't know. So you never know. Uh, by, by the time he's old enough for that, I'd be pushing fifty. I'm not sure. I can, <laughs> can you, he just does all the work. And you come in and just, just blast people at the end. Yeah, yeah you, that, you take a bump. It's, it's yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'll just come through and clean house. Yeah, oh, no, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. so uh, we ask a couple of uh, silly questions, and we're going to speak about your fundraising mm-hmm. as well, because uh, that's probably mm-hmm. that's a good bit to kind of end on. But we ask a couple of silly yeah. questions that we, we, we ask everyone. Uh, first one is, what's your favourite dinosaur? T-Rex springs to mind, but I've got to say Velociraptor and not the ones for for from Jurassic Park. I just like the idea of an angry, scaly turkey because that's what they really were. They weren't very just like this. It's just this little angry thing, a real Velociraptor watching Jurassic Park going, damn you! <laughs> I wish I was really that big. So there we go. That is the best description for a dinosaur I've ever heard. And the other question that we ask people is what would win in a fight? Two sheep or one cow? Uh, I love how this question stumps people. No, no, it doesn't. I'm just thinking yows or tops. You're speaking. Rams or ewes have worked on farms. Uh, So male or female sheep? No. the question is just two sheep versus one cow. If you if you if you want to add extra rules and right. what they are, then okay. uh, go for it. Female sheep, uh, it's going to be the cow winning. If it's a couple of tops, then they're taking the cow out unless they are in between the cow and her calf, in which case those sheep are going to get flattened. So there you go. <laughs> I think I've taken that way too seriously. <laughs> I, I absolutely fine with it. it, it you, you've you've kind of sat on the fence, but but you've given me the no, no, two the, options this, for the, it. Yeah, I was going to say there's the different criteria. As you see, there's there's like everything. The answer is it depends. Exactly. When when uh, when I asked Joe Hendry this question, he he pretty much gave me a row because he didn't give he didn't, I didn't give him enough information. It's like that's just the question. You you decide yeah. on the information outside of that. I don't... <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's fine. That's the, 
a great answer. So, of course, before we, we wrap up then, you're right in the middle as of recording. You're, you're doing some charity fundraising. Um, yes. You're doing something absolutely insane by running the ropes constantly uh, for just why. And tell, tell me why and what's it for. Because I'm a bit stupid. Um, I was playing about, I think, in, in May before the... I'd, I'd just arrived really early before training, like at, at five-ish or something. And I was like, ah, bored. I, I, do know, I do loads of kind of conditioning in the ring and stuff, especially before contact. Like, I wonder if I could run the ropes for 15 minutes. Because um, Michael Chase said that a big part of his conditioning for his tryout was being able to run them fast for four minutes. And I'm like, ah. and I did okay. So I'm like, I'll try again. I've still got time. And I ended up doing three lots of 15 minutes with like just, you know, 60 second rest between each one. I'm like, oh, no, that was all right. So then in, in June, I upped it to um, half an hour and just playing about. Oh, okay. And I had I started to formulate an idea and then I minced my back again really badly. Uh, so that took me out for a bit um, to the point where I couldn't walk for a day or two. It really scared me. Um, and then I got got back into it, and I, w- I was chatting to divers about it. I'm like, I think, I, what if I did it for 12 hours solid? He's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and uh, I did I did a couple more half-hour ones and went, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And, he, you know, 12 hours is just impossible. It feel, when you do 15 minutes, you just feel like you could go forever. And then you do half an hour, and you start, you start to feel a couple of things. You're like, ah, right. And then I just had this idea that I wanted to do something for mental health um as i say it's not something i talk about a lot but um i've spent the majority of my life getting help in some way or another i saw my first counselor at nine years old um, I was on my first lot of antidepressant medication at 11 years old. It's something, and I mean, I've never said this to anyone. Why the f- if I'm saying it on a podcast, I don't know. Um, I've yeah, I've I've had chucked more t- pills down my neck than I think I've uh, I've had hot dinners. Um, to the point where when I was 18 years old, I actually tried to take my own life. Um, and it's, I don't think, I don't think anyone other than my wife knows that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, but it was a strange way. It wasn't because I was miserable. It was because I was so angry and I turned it in on me, um, which is really strange. Um, that usually it's, you can't see it see a way out and it, it, it's horrible and I couldn't but I couldn't see a way out from my, my rage and I'd, I'd had enough um, uh, and internalised it instead of externalising it um, and then as I've got older I, I tried to self-medicate with things like cannabis and stuff like that when I was as I say as I got older this is still late teens early 20s and it's something I think that triggered the, the switch to more anxiety and it's something I've, I've struggled with for a long long time and I've had some good times it's very very tough times and so I, I want to do to do something to kind of raise awareness of this obviously we tragically lost Lionheart uh, to suicide a, a couple of years ago um, and 
and and I know of a, a few other people involved in wrestling that, that struggle, and it's just the statistic that every day sixty young men commit suicide. Oh, sorry, commit complete suicide. It's, it's, I don't like the word commit. Um, it's it's just a horrifying statistic, and I just wanted to do something to kind of try and help with that, especially around COVID, because it's. I've tried getting help before COVID in terms of counselling and, and I couldn't, and now I'm actually using better help um, and those guys are paying for it and it's, it's it has been really good. But uh, Movember seemed to be the, the most straightforward route, the most organised route for me to do it in a fairly short time because when I get an idea in my head, it's not something I can build up over you know, months and years and make it a huge thing. I just I just want to do it. Um so that yeah, that that's where it came from. And so I've started building up that. I thought, well uh, let's go for a marathon. Let's go for a marathon in, in the wrestling ring. Because no one else has been stupid enough to do that. And uh yeah so so I'm in in the middle of training for that. I'm gonna go for it um any you know in pending any any injuries any any issues that I, I get across the way i'm going to go for that on october the 9th um yeah just i, I just want people to be able to get help um and it's obviously november is not just mental health as well that's that's the one that that i identify strongest with but there's prostate cancer and testicular cancer that kill an awful lot of um men of all ages but again they're, they're it's i think it's younger men that seem to be more likely to, to have an issue with that because they're less aware of what's going on with their bodies per se so guys check yourselves um yeah so so that's where that this crazy idea came from and as of um yesterday september the 14th um, I did my longest run, which was two and a half hours, so probably getting fairly close to a half marathon. Um, that was tough. My back is a little bit red raw today and inflamed, but it's toughening up. Um, the, the nasty shin splints that stopped me from training last week are kind of gone. Um, and yeah, I just have to cover my right foot in as much Vaseline as I can because just that pivot on that, that foot just builds up heat and friction and it's so incredibly dull <laughs> so I have lots of ska punk and just, just bounce back and forward, I just have to be careful of the tempo because I get carried away start singing along which is fine in the first 15 minutes but when you're like an hour and three quarters in and I start singing and start hitting the ropes at the time with the music after after another like three or four minutes I'm like <gasps> Hang on, face myself. But yeah, so that's where that summer I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't intend really intend to open up quite like that. But um, that's kind of where it's where it's come from, and I want to kind of help people. Um, back when I was having my most serious problems, it was it was very much just here's a pill shop. Um, especially if, if you're a guy, you know. Um, and yeah, so I'm. Um, well, I'm intending to do one more long run, I think, in the in the rope. So I'm going to go next week. It'll be th some something between three and three and a half hours, 
and then I'll just taper it until the marathon itself, which I think will take between five and a half and six hours. So, so by the time... 1,888. What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to move about our our uh, release date. I'm going to try and get as close to the 9th of October as I can. So I think that's, that's a really great cause, and oh, I think I like I like to think that that the po- our podcast when you speak about anxiety and stuff like that, I have terrible. I I don't like social interactions. I just don't like them at all. This is why I did. This is why I started this podcast because it meant that, especially during lockdown my only interactions really with people outside of my immediate family and my, my wife and what have you was uh, how I got life when I'm that socially anxious. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how. But anyway, um, is is just going to work. And because I couldn't do that, I was working in this office, in this room, I had nobody to speak to. And there is still days where I'm just like, I need, I need some sort of social interaction um, outside of my immediate family. And when I've got this podcast, I, once or twice a week, I'm get on Zoom, We'll have a chat. It's not. It's not. It doesn't have to be anything particularly serious. I'm not. Like I said before, we hit record. I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to be looking for the scoop. I'm just in for about an hour, over an hour or so, and just just chat about wrestling. I love wrestling. Mm-hmm. People I speak to generally should love wrestling because they're wrestlers. <laughs> so uh, it, that's, that's that's my kind of way of of getting through all this this COVID stuff. And as it's still going on, uh, I'm still. I'm still trying to to find more people to to annoy for an hour, and and if it means that they they lower their guard and reveal things they might not think might not have thought they would have, uh, then that's just something that happens during this this hour and a half or so of of chatting. So uh, it's it's amazing that you're doing something that's that's going to benefit so many, uh, and. All, all you doing, all you're, all you're getting in return is a very sore back. But at least you get at the end of it is the satisfaction to know that you're uh, going to help people that that uh, you know what it feels like, and you get to be able to go right. I know this will help, so I'm going to raise as much as I can to to help you as much as, as yeah, possible. I, anyway. And in addition, I also because I'm having to hit the ropes nearly ten thousand times, it's going to drive hope to divers. Hopefully, he's going to be there counting um absolutely demented here in the creek of those ropes over that those five to six hours which i mean that that's that's payment in itself really for that just <laughs> i've got i've got clicker counters and uh, hopefully there's two or three guys including him <laughs> just drive him mad the squeaking of the ring um, it's not all bad then uh, so <laughs> i i i have taken up so much for your time this evening and I know that you're a very busy man because we, we have to try and figure out a schedule for both of us to try and find time to do this so I'm going to leave you to the rest of your evening but before uh, we we pack up and leave, where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter and at Dr. F and Mr. Awesome because I can't change that bit um, on Instagram as transform underscore MBT and on Facebook as Dr. F and Deacon Matthews. Excellent. Three different identities, <laughs> three different platforms. As as we as we've discussed, I think you're all, you're you're very uh, smart to try and find the best of all worlds and in, into <laughs> one thing. So it, having three different personalities over three different social media, I think that just kind of sums it up quite nicely. <laughs> 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 Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me today.
No, thank you. Cheers.